welcome to the Summit Up Podcast. This is where we talk about movies, shows, games, and whatever we want. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and YouTube. I am John, and as always, I am good, joined by my good friend, Chris. So, Chris, how are you doing? Uh, very good. Very good. Very energetic. Super excited to uh, talk about our topic today, which I know a little bit about, which I watched last night. Very yes. excited. You want to tell us what we're uh, delving into? We are going to talk about Hamilton. Uh, so it just came out on Disney Plus not too long ago, a couple weeks ago as of this July recording. July 3rd. July 3rd. Yes. Um, so I have I have listened to the soundtrack for probably the last year, and even that was late to the game. Um, but it... Oh my gosh, man. Like this... Just like every song is so good and so well written and performed and everything about it is just like just exudes excellence um and so uh, i gave you some homework last week and i told you to go watch this mm-hmm. and you did and so right off the bat man i just want i want to get your thoughts like what what did you think about the musical so as far as the musical goes i my general thoughts are i really liked it uh it was very inventive it was very new i liked the hip-hop uh the hip-hop vibe i loved the rapping it was so much fun for me in the beginning as the the as the musical went on it kind of shifted gears becomes it because because the story becomes more tragic you know you get less of that hip-hop and it becomes more of a classical not classical but more of a modern musical take in the sense of that it's the past 50 years you know a lot of the things with eliza singing isn't very hip-hop a lot of the things of alexander hamilton talking to himself and you know their son dying it doesn't turn into some it doesn't go into the hip-hop elements too much at that point of the story uh but i really enjoyed i really enjoyed this story nonetheless because of that flavor dip it didn't it it was a great introduction to that and even though it got more classical it was still nice it was still there were still homages there were still some like hints in there there were still some some flavor palettes thrown at us of the hip-hop and influence and i loved that It, it was new overall new i really loved the actors phenomenal uh the person who played thomas jefferson in lafayette is my favorite part of this musical uh i'm gonna go ahead and say i don't think it's necessarily a masterpiece but i do think it is generation defining and this is definitely one of the better broadway shows uh that i have seen i've only seen like uh seeing like on broadway i've been to broadway once and you know seeing this because we live in florida but i've seen other shows before not really many but you know Les Mis bored me and everyone loved Les Mis and this is just the total opposite for me I love this and music is really good uh but you know I I didn't have the compared to you I didn't have the exposure to the music I didn't listen to the music before this and yeah I think it I think it made it a better experience and I also learned some stuff as someone who loves history there were some things I learned about Alexander Hamilton I was like huh probably uh should have gotten more of that in class because it is important you know we don't, you don't learn enough of that in school about how important he was not necessarily because he was an immigrant which is a cool story for me personally that he was an immigrant and did this but it was also what he set up and that he would never become president because of his scandal and 
how it destroyed the Federalist Party. And uh, I did not realize that. So, yeah, those are my thoughts on it. I really loved it. Enjoyed it. Yeah. No, and it's interesting you say a couple of those things. So you mentioned that you didn't really like Les Mis compared to this. And we'll get into some like random facts about the, the musical later. Um, what but, did they did again to a rap battle with Les Mis? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. So um, when Lin-Manuel Miranda was writing this, Les Mis was actually one of his biggest influences in the style and the tone and like the cutaway character moments and the deep emotional impact that it had. Um, Les Mis, like I said, like was one of his biggest influences. Um, so it's interesting that you're not even able to really connect those two. And I mean, like I didn't until I had read that. Um, but I, I think that it takes so many things that other musicals have done well and brings them into the modern era where maybe this is somebody's first introduction to musicals and maybe this kind of leads them down the path to discover um, so many other ones and kind of introduces them into Broadway, into that whole new art form. So that as, as a, um, as a performer and as a musician personally, that's really exciting to me is that I love when you can take something um, that is a bit older and maybe a little bit more stale but still appreciated by a lot of people and you bring it into and, and like shed a new light on it and mix it up and, and put a new flavor into it, um, which mm. can reintroduce people kind of like, and this is probably a really dumb example, but like what, um, what the sing off did to acapella and how, oh, yeah. um, how pentatonics got really, really big from that and basically took acapella mainstream just by, um, introducing like different techniques and maybe mixing up your traditional uh idea of what acapella was supposed to be um it it kind of took it outside of the box that i think a lot of people had put that style into and i think this has taken broadway musicals and put them into a different box that i think has opened up a lot of doors for opportunity down the road um uh, who was it? Sondheim I really liked this musical, uh, Stephen Sondheim, and has said that um, you're going to start seeing more musicals like this. Give it a year, and you'll see uh, Abraham Lincoln rapping. Uh, just give <laughs> give me a year for that. Well, it's it's curious you say that because, uh, or he says that because I'm 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 wondering is for me if someone says I'm not really into musicals. What's a good one to introduce me to? Uh, this would be high on my list. I don't know if it's the first one I'd recommend. As like, you definitely need to see this. I do think, you know, if I were to make a list of, you know, five, no, a, a list of three, this one would definitely be in there. But I'm curious, do you think that this is a great introduction for understanding the musical show for people who've never been exposed to it? I think so because it takes um, it takes elements of of uh, more traditional musicals, like those more ballad moments, those softer, quieter moments, and character moments, um, and incorporates them with more modern musical styles, um, and not just rapping. I mean, that's that's kind of putting a very limited focus on it, but um, I, I think it blends though all of the traditional and contemporary styles well while also um, being historically accurate and interesting in that way and bringing about a new or like maybe an unfamiliar name to the forefront of history um, 
which kind of re gives like new perspective on historical events, which was really fascinating for me. And I think for you is like, we both really appreciate and enjoy history. Um, I mean, yeah, it would definitely be one of my top suggestions. Um, if you wanted like an introduction to, um, to, uh, musicals, but I definitely don't think this is where you stop. Like, I don't think this is like the new defining, uh, like epitome of a musical um but i think it's a good it's like a good gateway musical for a lot of um young people nowadays that maybe think that um uh les mis for instance since we're just on that it's just so uh, slow les mis for me and it just that's that's my problem with it and for the record i did mm -hmm. not actually see the show i watched the movie and a lot of people don't like the movie but guess what you know that's how you expose your audience. That's how people watch. People never seen Phantom of the Opera, the the actual show. They've seen the movie for it. You know, people are obsessed with it that way. I think the way that Hamilton did it, the way that they did, they said, "We're just going to film the show. We're not going to add any crazy CG. We're not going to have these crazy camera flips or anything like that." It was just like, "No, we're going to film you doing it on stage." And I think in its purest form, that way is the way you show it on a theater. It's the way you show it to people in the media. And I, I that's what I'll knock about Les Mis, which kind of ruined maybe that show for me. I would have no problem seeing it again if it was on like a like on a premiere, not like on a good theater stage. I would see it again. But it just left. I, that's the flavor I'm getting from it is that movie. And that's that that's my issue with it. You know, yeah, you just to clarify to my show. thoughts. Yeah, because the movie makes it more cinematic and I think takes the focus off a lot of what the musical was actually about. Um, because like when you when you go too big in scope, you really lose some of the impactfulness of the character moments. And I a lot of those, the actors that they had to portray uh, the characters in this are not singers. So the performances you're getting from them are auto-tuned. Yeah, exactly. Like they're good. They're good actors. Like every one of them is a great actor, but they're not good singers. And you can't auto-tune a great actor and expect a great performance. Um, and for me, watching the lamest movie, that took me out of that experience because it it just didn't feel genuine. But when you watch something like this, or when you listen to um, Wicked and those performances, uh, you hear the raw emotional talent that these these singers are able to convey and it's a much different experience for me personally than watching um a, a talented actor perform it on stage yeah and the one the, the other thing about this movie that does so well is it's so fast paced when i saw on my screen for disney plus at the run time was two hours and 40 minutes i know i, I messaged you i was like oh dude no <laughs> i was like this is gonna take forever <laughs> But it actually flew by fairly quickly. It zoomed. It was amazing. I enjoyed that aspect of it. And that's why I say, like, for this to be not necessarily the gateway, but part of the gateway, you know, I don't think you say, hey, person, watch this one musical. I think this is part of the three that I'd recommend someone to listen to or to watch. I mean, it's it's because it's it's not it doesn't leave you in a dull moment it just goes it just goes 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 and i love that breakneck speed because of all because for the most part we understand what's going on there's nothing new we know about the revolutionary war so there's a lot of things you do get about it for context for an american audience and they 
uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda in his writing was really great introducing certain things in certain times and just like you'll have a myriad of factors going on it's like this is the start of the revolution this is what the king is saying blah 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 they're bringing in the king uh and there's i don't i don't think there was only maybe twice uh, i i'm sure there's something corrected there but there was not really a moment where there was no singing and that's the thing with musicals yeah. there are parts where people stop singing and this it maybe twice other than that, yeah. it, but it only lasted for like maybe five to ten seconds, but it just breakneck speed, all singing is incredibly impressive. So when he was writing this, that was one of the things that he debated about. Um, because this, so this is what we'll just go ahead and skip right into some trivia. So basically, oh, yeah. when he wrote the first song, at that point he knew it was going to have to be all music that there wasn't going to be room for dialogue because he set the bar so high lyrically and musically in that first song um, that he just didn't want to, he didn't want to let off the gas the entire time. Um, So first of all, that first song that he wrote that kind of set the tone for him mentally took him, took him a year to write um, just that one song. Hmm. And then the second song took him another full year to write. So he, he really took his time understanding the history, um, gaining and broadening his knowledge on the subject, and really trying to, I don't know, basically, like, I don't think he meant to, like, set out to do this, but, like, redefine, like, or reestablish, I think, like, this whole genre in what it could be doing. Um, and it, it, it just, I think, personally speaks very highly to what he did and, like, his writing capabilities that he put so much focus in in setting the tone for this and really establishing what he wanted it to be um because initially he he didn't even want it to be a musical he wanted this to be just like a mixtape and he thought it was just going to be a collection of songs this is one hell of a mixtape i know right and and then eventually like they ended up performing the first song um and some of the music at the white house in 2009 and um and ever since that moment, Barack Obama has been a huge fan of this musical and has p- pushed for it, I think, in like every chance that he's gotten. Um, but uh, I think from that moment, they realized it was going to it was going to be more than just a mixtape um, and just a, this collection of songs. And like they've gone on and performed like medley medleys and collections of these songs at, at various events. Um, but I think at that point, it really started to kind of take shape into what it was supposed to be. Um, and one thing that I really found is trick and, and like, you can kind of tell this when you listen to the performances and, and think about it, listening to the songs, but he really wanted to, to shape and mold the characters around modern musical artists that he, um, uh, really was inspired by and really appreciated. Um, so like the biggest, I think the biggest one that I personally recognized from my own musical taste, um, was George Washington, the, the guy that plays him the style that he was really going for was a mix between common and John legend. Hmm. And I, I don't know if you could hear that initially, but like that, um, that like spoken word style while also like having a really smooth voice, I think personally, and at least in the, the original cast recording came across really, really well. I, I was, it's, you mentioned that I was fixated on Aaron Burr being the Jay Z style. Like I was just blown away by that. I was like, this is, is, are they trying to make Darren Burr sound like Jay-Z? Because <laughs> that's what got me real well. I was just like, what? 
I was it was fascinating because Aaron Burr Aaron Burr is also the the narrator of this story, mm-hmm. which I find is really cool because they allude to him at the they allude to him in the beginning, ending Hamilton at the end. Yeah, and I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. And then you just keep on seeing Aaron Burr in these scenes. I'm like, he doesn't really matter in this point of history. But, like, he's not part of this this part of the story, yet he's talking about it. I was like, that's kind of cool. That's really nice to have uh, going on in a story. This, is a lot of, this, this musical does a lot of unconventional things, but that's because it's kind of a, like you said, it's a modern take. And I, I love the idea that there will be more of this. But, uh, John, I would like to ask you, what song do you think is my favorite? What song do I think is your favorite? Like, or what part of the musical? Because I don't know. the. I only know, like, a couple songs, like their name and titles. <laughs> yeah, I have to, I'm, I have a list right in front of me of all the, the song names. Because, yeah, I need, I need a bit of a reference here, too. Um, so, since Thomas Jefferson was your favorite character, or, or Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, um, I would say your favorite parts uh, were the cabinet battles. No. Oh, okay. okay. My favorite part was the introduction of Jefferson because (laughs) of how they introduced him musically. That struck me so hard. When he comes off the boat, the, the, not only does the palette, and this is what makes this amazing for Lin, Lin Manuel Miranda. This is a masterful part of the show this is i have no no issue with this part of the show this is probably the for me my favorite and i think the purest part is when he walks off the boat the lighting changes to like a purplish blue like a really cold color and you see this or or it kind of goes warm too like purple he walks off and he has like a pimp walk and they're playing gospel style. They're playing gospel blues in the background, and him talking about the stuff and the key, not the keyboard, the piano in the back, playing that with him, and him talking about Lafayette and drafting, you know, their document in France, and him having to come back, get back into Monticello, and going into that. He takes his cane and throws at the guy, and then it goes straight into ragtime. That transition is the kind of embodies him to be like the larger than life character. And David Diggs, who's the the actor who plays him in the musical, talked about he's a rock star when he gets back to the United States. Now, historically, he lost his wife and he was distraught with grief. And that's why he went to France as an ambassador and he came back. He was still distraught. But, you know, they portrayed him in a different light, which it is what it is. It's a musical. But... He's larger than life. He's been partying in France, seeing all the ladies. They build that so well. And they're playing ragtime, jazz, and then they throw in the the jazz keyboard in there. Like uh, like 30 seconds into him doing ragtime, they throw the jazz keyboard on top of the piano. I'm like, no, these madmen. Lin-Manuel Miranda, what are you doing? And it just keeps getting better and better. The in- talking to James Madison, how Lin-Manuel Miranda's Hamilton kind of interjects in front of, like, Washington, be like, hey, Alexander Hamilton. And you'd be like, I'm the big guy on campus. And Jefferson kind of reacting to all that is, that is my favorite part, and it's my favorite musical part because of how unprepared I was for this 
and to see it in a musical it plays it is amazing also the one reference in that in that when he says sally be a lamb darling and and bringing over that letter from the president or whatever mm-hmm. that's a reference to sally being the mate or the slave that he he had relations with supposedly oh. allegedly so i thought that was also kind of nice i heard sally I was like sally be a doll lamb whatever bring over that message i was like ooh, oh spicy ooh. i didn't even realize that but yeah that's a great point um so let me ask you this so what do you think one of my favorite songs was yeah I want, uh i'm going to say for you it is going to be the the uh the battle like uh lafayette i just because i'm obsessed with Lafayette. actually for your <laughs> style uh it, it might have it might have to be the rapping of the revolutionaries when they're in the bar you know that that's a good moment but no i think would you, my would you pick i think my top two f- tied or tied for first songs are um satisfied and the room where it happens um, oh room where it happens is good too see and that for me like i thought that leslie Odom jr as aaron burr was so good and his i mean up until that point he's very just behind this behind the scenes just acting in a very controlled manner he's waiting for everybody else to act impulsively and kind mm. of see where the chips land um but at that point he realizes that he has his own ambition and that he wants to step out and he's going to take control of his destiny and actually do something about it for once um because he has his legacy that he has to uphold um and he doesn't want to just let it slip away he wants to really make something of himself um and i thought that turn from a calm cold collected character into like this dark um like driven uh really emotionally led character was just a really good turn for him and then at that point on he starts making these more emotional decisions and um start getting a little bit more vengeful towards hamilton but i also oh my gosh man i keep going back and listening to um to satisfied which is um it's after it's directly after their um the wedding uh, and it's where Angelica starts oh, going gosh. back, and it's that rewind moment where it gives you a new context to think about um, her relationship with Hamilton. And I am just like right off the bat, I'm a sucker for anything that gives you a different perspective on an event in a, in a movie or TV show that is done in a really well written way. Um, so for them, first of all, like um, uh, production wise to use that stage turning and watch everybody and the lights flickering backwards uh, to go back just visually was really appealing to me. And then for her to have this really powerful uh, moment where she's talking about how she gave up what her, like the love of her life would be uh, for her sister who she loves more than anything and that she would do anything for. And she just wants to see her sister be happy. Um, she was trying to protect her family's legacy potentially and keep uh, her family's name safe by keeping Hamilton out of her own life because she was worried about what he might do to her. Um, but then uh, to see, to then think about the wedding in this new way of like, she is, it's this really dark moment where you're like, and really regretful moment where she's essentially giving Hamilton away to her sister 
and what's supposed to be the happiest day of Hamilton and um, Eliza's wife is probably one of the darkest days in Angelica's life. Um, and just uh, that. It's so, it's so weird. I don't know that, that part of the show, because that was just in real life. That's speculative and rumored yeah. because yeah. he had a lot of correspondence with her. It's according to the letters, but I don't know. Uh, that that part kind of I do agree. Like the switch perspective was really cool, but throughout the whole thing, it made me just kind of uncomfortable. Because In when he way. does, when he does, because even though it's from Angelica's perspective, I'm just like, okay, well, how are they gonna do the, uh, you know? Because then we get him cheating with the uh, Reynolds. Uh, yeah. And that felt more like emotional in a way where I was like, I'm into this and I'm root I'm rooting for Hamilton to not give in, but he he does. Um, which isn't really taught much in history, which I wish it was, but you know, that for me was more impactful than the Angelica part. Okay. Okay. Fair that, enough. That's just my criticism. I know it, it, you really like it, but I just for me it it actually made me feel a little bit uncomfortable compared to the Reynolds part because of mm-hmm. I don't know, it just, I don't know, it just, it made me feel, it made, it made it feel kind of disconnected in a way. Um, and that's nothing to say against the actress who played Angelica. She did a great job, but I just, it, it seemed like a throw in for the sake of, uh, drama, even though there's plenty of drama in Hamilton's life. Okay. Okay. I think that's a fair criticism. I could see that. Yeah, it's like you're adding you're adding elements. You're you're putting too much garlic in this recipe. No, no, you're putting too much salt in the recipe. For I was me. like, you can't put too much garlic in a recipe. You you're about? right. Like you could add so much garlic and it's still gonna taste good. It's too much salt. That's what it was for me. I was just like, you know, you're gonna change the balance a little bit. But they could have made it. I think it could have been a little bit done better. But I get it. I, I understand for the sake of drama, people eat that eat that shit up and i don't like i don't like too many drama centric stuff that's my personal take on it that's but I, I understand where you're coming from it the, the perspective how how very different it is and how it kind of makes the, the audience go what <laughs> that's uh what is it subverting your expectations but in the good way oh my god why do we have to talk about that every week <laughs> <laughs> because it's important <laughs> subverting expectations Oh, of course. You know, That's subverting fair. expectations. So then would you say that there's a song that you like least connected with or that really, I mean, besides, besides that one that kind of took you out of the moment, did, was there a, another moment that you feel like maybe didn't belong in your eyes? Ooh, is there a song that didn't belong? Mm, no, I think, I think everything plays a purpose in this uh one of my least well i'm kind of processing it myself i think everything oh when when aaron burr kind of like sings about theodosia or the is it theodosia theodosia i was kind of like kind of out of place but i see there's a reason to it because they're like oh this character is not just one dimensional he has passions but ultimately that passion for theodosia is kind of overshadowed for his ambition to be something because he told Aaron Burr like just smile and talk less Uh, and then Hamilton doesn't do that and he becomes 
you know, he he works at the highest levels of government. And Aaron Burr is like, yo, what the heck, man? I was like, I did it wrong, really? And I think that's more of an impactful thing than talking about Theodosia. So that, I would say that part of it doesn't really fit in. I really, I was going to say the the part of Hamilton's son, which I think his name is Philip. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that part where he gets into this, uh, the duel part with this other man. Yeah. But I think Lin-Manuel Miranda, I was thinking about it. I was like, actually, he did a really good job because here you show this Philip who's supposed to be an idealist like his father. And the other guy on the other side just doesn't care. He he just doesn't care. And he's just like, let's get this over with so I can get to lunch, please. And then he shoots him. And it's just like, OK, cool. And that's And that's how the real it's a juxtaposition to like how the real world works is like, hey, you're an idealist and you're going to. You're going to shoot up into the air, whatever, boom, you're gone. It's it's fatalistic in a way, but it's also necessary to, to show you the different philosophies of how life works and how, yeah, being an idealist is great, but, you know, it's going to get you, if you're not careful, if you're not realistic, you're just going to end up dying young. And I, yeah. I enjoyed that. And it's, it's a tragedy for Hamilton, and it's a lesson, and... It's a lesson he kind of doesn't learn in the end, but I don't know if that's because that's the way the 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 production framed it or if in real life I I haven't looked into the dual details between him and Aaron Burr, but you know, the way I'm sure the way the production does it is accurate, you know. So th- there's a lack of growth there, but there's a reason for it which I appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. What about fair. for you? Is there is there a part of this that you think doesn't really fit? I mean, see, for me, the Reynolds section was that um, because I like I I, I kind of feel like I have the same feelings that you do about um, the Angelica section, where it it felt and like I don't I didn't walk into this knowing a lot of the historical accuracies about it all. So I didn't realize that that part of it was actually true and the Angelica stuff was maybe blown out of proportionate a bit. Um, but for me, that felt more of like a soap opera kind of moment of we're going to bring in um, oh, yeah. this person that you, you're not sure if she's doing it intentionally and she's in, she's in on it with her husband and they're just going to extort him and it's kind of causing this rift between uh, Hamilton and the, the cabinet and also with his wife um, like that part of it felt a little bit more forced, um, at least in the context of the rest of the of the production. Um, mm. But I mean, like I still appreciated it, and I I definitely feel I think you and I agree that I um, that every song uh, depends on the previous to like the story is very reliant on itself to continue. Um, that you need every piece of the puzzle to get a complete picture. And that there's payoffs, uh, there's intentional setups to everything. You you really feel that everything contributes, and that it's it's um, there's no fat on the musical. It's very clean. Um, yeah. There's nothing that that feels like it was a hard left turn. That there's not any payoff for it. It it just feels like it was as condensed as possible, and as condensed as a two hour forty minute production could be. Hmm. Well, the actual story of the Reynolds uh, bribery is a little bit 
crazier than you would think um, from the perspective from the from the side of Reynolds, because yeah, he you know it is true. It's like hey, you know my my husband beats me, blah blah blah. blah and he's like oh you know here's some money, and then you know she goes, you know they they commit adultery, and then the husband's like hey you know thousand dollars keep it covered up. That's true. But what they don't go into in more detail is how it comes out. And that's the that in history, I read about it last night and I was like, wow, that is nuts. That the 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 hush hush money, the that didn't come into play uh the way it, it was it was portrayed in the in the show because in real life and this is how great this is you know greed is a very terrible thing reynolds and uh, an associate of his impersonated i think it was government officials to get money from a bank or whatever or maybe i'm getting that wrong but they're trying to they're trying to get money they're trying to get more money him and his associate and they're, they're just criminals and they get caught and they get arrested uh so what happens is, is that the associate knows the story of reynolds's uh business with hamilton and he kind of like throws it out there and that's when the cabinet starts to get wind of it and that that for me is just like oh how i i wish it was thrown in the musical but i understand why it wasn't but that is still a crazy story it's like these people who were making a a thousand dollars here left and right you know that's a lot of money back then you know you could live just comfortable on that and they just completely they just it completely torpedoes out of control and that that for me is more amazing uh because i think they were saying in what i was reading was that you know the cabinet was kind of on hamilton's side of this they're just like there's not a lot of evidence for this to go forward but then you know hamilton sell he he publishes the pamphlet himself because he uh oh i don't i forget the real reasons now but he self-publishes it because it's like he didn't do anything. They thought he was doing something illegal, but it's like, no, it's because of this. And they're like, oh, geez. And he had, he comes out with that. It's just such a... That part of the story is just so interesting. Um, but I could see from your, from your perspective how it is not a continuum of the Hamilton story. It is a moment of weakness. And it just... It, the aesthetic of it is very different. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think it's necessary to have that to then have he and Eliza um, basically separated. I think as separated as, as a couple could be back in that time um, and cause more tension between them so that when what happens with Philip happens and he dies, that you have this moment of reconnection. And it may be strained at first, but they slowly learn how to, how to be in love with each other again. Um, and they grow their lives back together. So it... it it kind of is that first step in uh, in in the disconnection of those characters, and then when Eliza feels like Hamilton is responsible for her son's death, that brings them apart even farther. But then they slowly learn to come back together again. Um, again, like it all just ties in together and it all connects. Um, but well, in they the- did have they all together. They all together they had eight children. Oh my and gosh! I think six or maybe the the other seven were born before philip died so yeah (laughs) i I don't i don't i don't know necessarily well obviously their lives are very much changed but you know that aspect kind of changes it's just like she's so cold to me it's just like you knocked her up seven times after that get over it (laughs) but you know that's me joking obviously 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So one thing I learned that was pretty interesting was that um, Miranda was basically torn between whether he wanted to cast himself as Hamilton or as Aaron Burr. Um, because I, I, let me just read you a quote that he had from The New Yorker. Um, so mm-hmm. he, he says, I feel an equal affinity with Burr. Burr is every bit as smart as Hamilton and every bit as gifted, and he comes from the same amount of loss as Hamilton. But because of the way that they are wired, Burr hangs back where Hamilton charges forward. I feel that I have been Burr in my life as many times as I have been Hamilton. Um, but eventually he chooses Hamilton and he, and he says, when I get called or when I get called in for stuff in Hollywood, I get to be the best friend of the Caucasian lead. If I want to play the main guy, I have found I have to write it as Hamilton. Um, I get to be cockier than I really am. I get to be smarter than I really am. I get to be more impulsive than I really am. It's taking the reins off of your id for two and a half hours. Hmm. So do you think that that the production would be as strong if he were Burr instead of Hamilton? Hmm. I mean, I don't know who else you cast in that role, uh, just because I don't know what it looks like. I think Lin-Manuel Miranda does a great job because I, I can see what he's trying to achieve is... You know, he's playing a genius, an idealistic genius who is never, as we talk about, he's never satisfied, but he's also, you know, you know, super generous. And he's just like, yo, this is, I need to speak my mind like, you know, it's almost like a, like having ADHD and just spouting everything like that is, is like, this is the way it needs to be. You know, I want everyone to, I want everyone to understand it. Um, he cares a lot. And you know, I think Lynn manuel Miranda not being cast in that role would... I, I, I think it would be kind of a disservice for the story that he's trying to tell because Lynn manuel Miranda consistently brings up this message, and I'm not saying it's a wrong message, I agree with him, about immigrants and how they're important, and he himself is an immigrant from Puerto Rico. So him telling the story as... Uh, you know, of Hamilton being Hamilton, who was an immigrant from the Leeward Islands, even though he was still kind of light skinned, like he missed out on a inheritance because he was uh, he was uh, uh, what is he was a bastard child. Mm-hmm. I think it is. He was he was uh, and, you know, from his mother's inheritance and moving over to America and the things that he learned there. Um, and he even worked in the slave auction, too, but he didn't, he didn't own slaves. But, uh, which is misinterpreted, I guess, in history that they say he did, but he actually just worked on the auctions of it, or it's not proven, whatever. Uh, I think this is a more powerful story for Lin-Manuel Miranda, more powerful story for Hamilton because of the, because of his upbringings. So casting someone else in this, you have to choose another person or else the implications and the impact of Hamilton and what conversations started afterwards... Uh, are not as important that you know you what are you gonna cast like uh you know cast someone who's from the states who might not identify completely with those who've immigrated this country and made something of themselves i think that's a big missed opportunity so i'm glad uh lynn manuel uh did this himself as to be the leader role what do you think so hot take here for a second mm. um I definitely think that Leslie Adam Jr. as um, as Aaron Burr is the correct choice because um, 
just his his style of voice um, lends itself to who the character is portrayed to be in the first place, where it's it's naturally. Jay Z, you're right. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's more soothing. It's laid back, more calm. But then he has that depth to his character that he brings out towards the end. Um, that uh, like where he's crying out during the duel um, that he that Hamilton will not make an orphan of his daughter, and he's reaching down there and pulling all that emotion out. Um, here's the hot take part: I personally don't really like Lin Manuel Manuel Miranda's voice. Um, really, I think he sounds a bit young, and uh, I think tonally, I think he has a good voice. And that obviously he is a, an incredible performer and obviously an incredible writer and musician um, for him to be able to do all these things and what he did with Moana and everything else he's worked on. Um, but just his particular timbre of a voice, um, <laughs> I don't personally enjoy that much. Um, I do think, however, lending itself to the character of Hamilton, where he is introduced as this young cocky arrogant um person who is um like injecting himself into the revolution and trying to make a name for himself i think that just like the even just the sound of his voice represents that in a way and i'm glad you said that because i was hoping (laughs) you were gonna you weren't gonna be like yeah the sound of his voice just doesn't sound like hamilton the character and i was gonna be like (gasps) but no (laughs) you you just have an issue with the timbre of his voice just and from a singing point of view it's it's purely a personal decision. It has nothing to do with okay. his performance. Um, so I, I was, I was that... about to I was about to clap back. No, no, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but I I'm I'm glad you made that distinction. Yes, yes. It's purely about who he is as a person and the thing that he can't control. Um, one other thing that I want to bring up too is that uh, for those of you who have seen the musical on Disney Plus, you or in real life. You know that at the very end of it all, when Eliza is um, is is singing about the orphanage and her legacy and what she's leaving behind, um, the last moment of the of the production before it cuts or the before the curtain call is she walks to the front of the stage and she looks up and just gasps. And I didn't. I th- I think I had my own thoughts on it, but I didn't realize th- what other interpretations there were for that moment. Um, so that moment is it can be interpreted a couple different ways the first of which is where that's her moment of death where she's walking towards the light she looks up and she gasps as she sees hamilton um or she sees alexander and and um it's that it's that connection again with her husband and they finally have joined together on the other side um the other interpretation that i kind of like is um she's she's obviously up to that point singing about her legacy what she's leaving behind what she'll be remembered as and so she walks to the front and some people have interpreted as she she's seeing the audience in real life and she's gasping because she's realizing this is my legacy i'm telling i'm telling the story i have injected myself back into the narrative and people will remember what is what have happened because of of what I've decided to tell in this and my part that I've played in this. Um, and they've never really confirmed one way or the other what it's supposed to be because I think that the interpretation of it is is also more interesting. 
Um, hmm. But between those two options, do you think it's a matter? Do you think that last moment is is her is supposed to be her seeing Hamilton, or do you think it's her seeing her legacy in the audience? I think it's her seeing Hamilton, uh, just because if you take the other option, it seems too romantic for me. And okay. what I mean romantic, I mean in the the idea of stylized romanticism of uh, you know it's just soap opera it's just like oh it's me seeing the audience and i realize my legacy no i like i like the idea because it's a tragic story you know it's a tragic story that isn't told so it's nice to know that at the end of this tragedy that she's dying and she sees hamilton enjoy like the gasp of like you know she's dead she goes to see hamilton she goes to see uh philip so that I like that from a standpoint of storytelling, because if you just say like, oh, the breaking of the fourth wall and all this other stuff, it kind of it's kind of like, you know, a little bit too meta, uh, a little bit too of that. Like those people who are like, man, the the theater is the purest form of storytelling. Like, shut up. You know, it keeps on evolving. I understand your point, but it's just that's the that's the take I have on that. It's just like I think it's. It's, it's too much, you know? You, you're looking too far into it. Um, but maybe maybe my take on it is wrong, but I I think it's her dying, you know? See, what, what do you think, John? Do you think I'm completely wrong and you're taking it from the purest form of theater? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think I could see it both ways, but just to play devil's advocate, I, um, I really like the idea that it's her seeing the audience and recognizing her part that she's played in her legacy. Um, just like this idea of like, I mean, they say in the, in the, in the production that um, legacy is planting in a garden that you'll never get to see. Um, and I love this idea of, of like that meta moment of, of like someone being able to see down like years down the road and seeing the impact that they've had on the world that just that that idea in and of itself is really interesting to me um uh so i i don't know man like i personally really like this idea that it's her connecting with the audience after having just talked about what her legacy is and what she's leaving behind um and just that final like it's paying off that moment of recognizing there's it's even more than i could have imagined it's more than the orphanage it's more than my kids oh, no, it's more there than, goes. There more goes. than a cell phone uh it's more than technology it's um it's impacting these people's lives hundreds of years in the future and everything that goes along with that um uh, and just knowing that your name has outlived you years and years and years down the road um it's just i think really impactful for me um so and, and kind of tying up everything but with with this particular particular production um are there any other musicals or productions like this that you would like to see um being taken into more of like the like the streaming um platform because it personally it feels like broadway has gotten to the point where it's it's such an i don't, I don't mean for this to sound so mean but it sound it seems like such an elitist type of um platform where you have to pay <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of dollars to go see a production um which obviously you're you're paying for incredible quality of it all um but it's so unattainable for so many people and something like this where you have this original cast you're watching basically what everyone in the audience is seeing 
being put on a streaming platform for five bucks a month. Um, is there any other production that you would like to see um, made so accessible like this? Or do you think that there should be more of a separation between Broadway and other types of media? Hmm. I think that... I think that you raise a really good question, but I think ultimately... I have to answer that it has to evolve. And it has to be put on a streaming service because that's where we're going. You know, look at, you know, the things that have died out. Cable is dying, you know. People are streaming. They're watching, like, other services online and stuff and they're they're kind of getting away from that so of course this is going to affect the broadway show and i think that because it's been done this way for such a long time the theater people naturally uh are are gonna resist that because people go to be actors in theaters they resist that move into into television into movies because they didn't sign up to do that for the most part. They want to, uh, like for musicals, they have to be, they have to sing, they have to dance, they have to do, they have to be multi-talented, John. It's such, it's so competitive too. And then you tour on this, on this production company and the production companies are having a tough time staying open or, you know, not staying open, but being profitable uh, in this time. And now with COVID-19, with everything, that's going to change. I, mm-hmm. I feel bad for everyone who wanted to make this their ideal career of I'm going to be on Broadway, I'm going to be doing this. Yes, I think the theaters should still do the productions, but I think the idea of touring to do a theater is going to die. Uh, I, I think that, you know, we, we if you get a movie for it, but like a movie, like a production, not like a Les Mis, but what they did with Hamilton... I think that's so much better. And I think it, it brings out a so much better product. It gives you the product in its purest form, except you're watching it from a television screen. I think that makes the actors themselves larger than life because they beca- they are given to a larger audience, a larger streaming audience, which in turn can hopefully get the actors more money by doing better deals. Or I don't know if they collect a bargain in, in the in the musical realm for the actors. I don't know if they, they do the collective bargaining or if they do just normal deals or whatever it might be. But, you know, I, I think it has to evolve, not necessarily because, because that's what people want, but it's, it's going to be the necessity or else you're not going to have a job anymore. Um, and people are going to lose their jobs regardless. Yeah. So, I mean, that's my take on it. See, I, I agree that it needs to evolve. I just wonder what the balance is because if, I mean, like ideally, because like, I don't, I obviously don't live in New York and I'm very far away from it. I've seen one on Broadway production of Lion King and I would love to be able to see more. And I I definitely think, I think I have the same views about this as I do about movies in that when you see it in a theater, it's a much more immersive experience that it really changes how you see certain things and experience certain things. But I think that for the majority of people, you're missing out on a lot of opportunity to um, to impact them. I mean, like, like I, I think about the just even like the um, like social impact of, of of Hamilton, and that you have a cast made up of almost entirely minorities in America 
and having somebody be able to see that that wouldn't be able to normally go to New York and see a production like this, um, but have being able to have these characters be role models for people that can get Disney Plus and have be able to connect with them through that, um, I think that in and of itself is worth it because you you're able to provide experiences where maybe someone in in a certain situation doesn't see themselves in getting involved in the theater or in in acting because they don't have anyone to look look up to in that field um but if they were to say like i really do enjoy singing and i love performing i just don't have any, anyone to look up to but then to see the cast of hamilton and be able to say i see myself in that person i can do this because they have done this i think that is where you you can gain a lot more traction um but from like a from, it all comes down to money because from a monetary perspective do you then just focus on putting um like stage productions only on uh streaming platforms and you don't have live shows and you don't have to worry about like the maintenance of that and putting it on night after night and the production values involved with that um do you try and just go for streaming deals similar to like what actors do um hmm. or do you because I, I think if you were to do both and if you were to have Hamilton continue on and other productions continue on on Broadway, but then also be accessible on streaming services, I think that that starts to create more of a rift between um, um, like socioeconomic uh, tiers, basically, of people. Where they can make their own streaming service then, the Broadway streaming service. But that's the other problem, man. There are too many as it is. I think if but, we just but people, but that's a very that's a very specific thing though. It's not like oh, in order to watch like the you know, in order to watch Comedy Central, you got to go over here. In order to watch mm-hmm. you know TBS, got to go over here. Guess what? Comedy Central and TBS don't have Broadway shows. Uh, this the, if you it, because that's the thing about arts is you can't you could go watch an orchestra play live or you can buy their CD disc Broadway and shows you have to go to the show so you you know pair it with something you know say you know do do a streaming service you know and that might keep these productions in, I think it could keep the production companies profitable at least now maybe. Because I imagine the production of a Broadway show is less than the production of a Michael Bay Transformer movie. <laughs> but see, if you were to have only a, like a streaming service of only performances from from Broadway or like that specific genre of media, then only the people that were like majorly invested in enough to pay eight bucks a month for something would subscribe to that. And then you alienate everyone else who already has Hulu or Disney Plus or Netflix or Amazon, and they don't want to pay an extra. Like basically, don't they wouldn't want to double their subscription fees to watch one or two musicals that they might be interested in? I personally mm-hmm. think I think if we were to do streaming, the way to go would be to do what Netflix did, um, or sorry, not Netflix, Disney Plus, where you have these mainstream streaming services. Uh, take on productions like this to make them more accessible to their own broad audience. Um, because I, I think if you, the more niche you get, the less marketable you become and the less market that you have. Uh, Cause you have uh, a, a streaming service like shutter that is purely horror films and horror content. And it's really only horror junkies that are getting into it. 
And so you have this entire genre of, of film and TV that um, other people can't or aren't really getting as introduced to because um, like they're not going to seek out a whole new streaming service just for maybe one or two movies that they might enjoy and which then would lead them to other things. Well, I, at that point, you know, you got to shop it around. You got to shop around your product. And if you can't do it as an industry, then you got to do it as an individual pr- production. Hey, Disney Plus has uh, has Hamilton. Netflix has Cats. Uh, and then oh, Amazon, <laughs> Amazon has West Side Story. So what's it going to be? I think that's also an alternative to just doing a pure streaming service, which I get your point. But I think... Uh, you know that that is that is one way to do it and these are the questions we got to ask now because what's the future going to hold with this cold COVID-19 you can't do live shows so and I know they're all like oh you know let's do CBS or whatever they do we're like oh they do on the Lion King production they do this production blah 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 and everyone gathers together to watch it on television wow I never got into those events because it just seemed so like the marketing for it just doesn't seem uh it just doesn't it, it it doesn't it doesn't resonate with me as someone who is musically trained you're musically trained like that kind of I don't look at that I'm like oh that's like a fa- family friendly like oh wow once in a lifetime for the normies mm-hmm. you know the people who don't get it you know and I think it's kind of funny but that's just my perspective on it but when you when you put out the big star and it says Hamilton is coming to Disney Plus and that's all you have to say you know you don't have to have like oh welcome to Good Morning America we're going to talk about Hamilton's coming to CBS on this and blah, blah 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 on this date no it's just Disney Plus is bringing Hamilton on this date that gets me more excited does that make sense to you not from a from a advertising perspective yeah. Yeah, because like I, I totally agree with what you said about like the TV productions of stuff, and like in like I said before, it's it's situations like that where you have, in a lot of cases, you just have talented actors performing these musicals that they're really not equipped to handle, and especially in a in a format like that where you, like, I feel like with what they did with Hamilton, they record. I'm sure they took it from multiple nights of recording. Um, it wasn't just the one take and that's it. Um, but I think it's a whole different caliber of talent between TV and, and Broadway. Um, totally. Totally. I, and it's, it's, it's what's for me, it feels like the difference is, hey, we've got a camera on you, but we're in the Broadway theater and there's only like a couple of us camera guys moving around, you know, and we have a theater of other theater people who love what you're doing great Mm -hmm. it's not like it's not like a huge live audience of like oh my gosh i paid 80 dollars to cbs so i can be here wow no and maybe the cbs tv production is like thousands of cameras and a red carpet blah blah blah. no this seems the purest form just adding cameras yeah yeah you're right it definitely feels like they just captured a moment rather than putting it on for that moment yes that's a good way to put it (laughs) So I think we fixed the Broadway streaming service problem. We we fixed movies. We fixed Broadway. I can't wait to see what we fix in tomorrow. Or in the next time, John. <laughs> exactly. So uh, unless you have any final thoughts. My final thoughts. Well, as someone who doesn't, who's not like a Broadway junkie, for someone who's played, um, 
in a musical like The Pit, not I wasn't in it, but I was, you know, done some music for a couple of musicals at school. Not like anything big or anything, not professional or anything like that. I do have an appreciation for musicals, and I think this one is the most innovative uh, for sure. Hamilton is very innovative. Give all the credit to Lin Manuel. It was amazing. Uh, I love uh, the music. is cool. It's new. I I like. Really, I'm obsessed with one song, and that's the "What I Miss" uh, with <laughs> Thomas Jefferson. Just because it, the music that they splice together for it, the styles that kind of speaks to me more in my musical um, tastes. But yeah, I I hope to see more modern takes i hope to see more modern in the sense of like where the time we're living in now and i hope that uh it doesn't get too i hope it doesn't get um looked down upon i'm excited i really like this production it's not a masterpiece uh but i think it's 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 in the top three of what of what i think are great 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 shows yeah, I definitely, I hope that based on not only like just the commercial success of this on Broadway and the fact that it set records and it was award winning, um, but I think that I hope that the success of it on a streaming service um, will also push not only like new musicals to be created for that purpose, but that um, that that whole like strain of media is kind of given a new um, like rebirth and that more people are drawn to other types of musicals and um i don't know man like i just i'm i'm optimistic for the future of this type of content and i'm glad that we're mixing it up and it's not just all superhero action movies that we're we're putting good quality content where it needs to be um not that there's anything wrong with just a bunch of superhero movies because that's kind of my shtick but (laughs) um I don't know, man. Like, I'm, I'm genuinely excited and curious to see where this takes us in the next five to ten years. Um, so yeah, man. I'm excited for this. I'm excited for us next week and what we're going to be talking about. Thank you guys for listening to the Summit of Podcast, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.